Welcome to what might be the new standard spot, Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, talking about motor racing. Our little hashtag uh, racing family show, myself and our birthday boy, that's right, our birthday boy, Christopher Wheeler. Look at that beautiful, shiny noggin of his. Oh, Chris Wheeler, we're all gonna have to uh, we're all gonna have to sing you happy birthday here in a minute. Actually, <clears throat> Marshall, I, I read some Twitter policy rules about Twitter spaces and singing happy birthdays against those. No, you get extra <laughs> uh, spaces if you sing uh, Twitter stuff on spaces. Hey, you know who we should say <laughs> hello to and a thank you to for taking some time out of his busy schedule where he's inducting people and celebrating folks here at the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America. That would be our mutual pal, the Jay Douglas Bowles, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Doug, you've unmuted yourself. Uh, we got folks here to see you and we are here you and we've got you for 15, 20 minutes. So uh, say hello. Hello. How are you? You sound great. I got a new phone, and I think you sound better than I do. So I'm jealous. Well, this is my first. This is my first time doing this, and I'm not exactly sure how to do it. And I'm I'm actually sitting in the car outside the Motorsports Hall of Fame with you on the the car speaker here, trying to Bluetooth this. So we'll see how it works. All you got to do is just uh, I'll get your credit card number. It's it's uh four hundred ninety nine dollars <laughs> a minute. So that's the only uh, only other part. But uh, kidding aside. Super happy to have you here, Doug and Chris. Why don't you uh, open the show here? We're trying to talk a little bit of Indy 500 month of May and uh, what is coming, uh, what might be coming. And I'll also say hello to uh, Sebastian Saavedra. We're going to invite you to speak too because, hey, that's an Indy 500 competitor right there. But uh, Chris, yeah, absolutely, you, that's pretty cool. Why don't you crack open the show with Doug? Let's, go, let's get some Indy 500 talk going. Thanks, Marshall, Sebastian. Welcome, Doug. I mean, obviously, you need no introduction. Um, but like Marshall said, thank you for joining us. We know that you were busy at the Hall of Fame doing some inductions, and you've been doing that, doing stuff down there all day. Um, so let's kick things off, man. The days are clicking down to the 106th Indianapolis 500, and I know every day we get closer. Um, you do two things. You get a little bit more excited, and you also – that little bit of stress level picks up just a bit. So how's, how's it looking this far out? Uh, you know, we're 83 days out, a little less than that, I guess, actually. Now, if you think about the start time of the race is 1230-ish, so we're 82 days and some odd number of hours to the 106th running of the 500. Uh, you know, things are looking good. It, we're just, we are uh, just plugging away, starting to get the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway back and alive. Obviously, it's a outdoor facility, so we shut down a lot of electric and a bunch of other things that we have to make sure don't freeze in the winter, so we start getting getting through that and getting ourselves ready to go. Ticket sales are, are tremendous right now, which is really exciting. I think you see that across the board in motorsport right now. People just want to get out, which is which is exciting. And kicking the season off, the NTT IndyCar season off at St. Petersburg really makes us realize that, you know, those 82 days in a few hours are going to go pretty quick. So, you know, I think one of the biggest things that people have been excited about from a fan base side when getting back to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway every year in May since Mr. Pinsky and his group have, have taken ownership, are the changes, the upgrades, right? I mean, heck, if we want to talk about the funny-isms, I'm pretty sure there's even a T-shirt in my 
just about uh, the traditional urinals. And so everybody's excited to know what's going to be new this year. You know, what, what's been repainted, what's been rebuilt, what's going to be optically different, functionally different, operationally different. Well, for those folks that didn't come last year, obviously they, they will get to experience the, you know, the cleaned up and, and nicer restrooms, the video boards, some of the things that Roger really worked on the backside of the grandstands uh, are widened. So it's a lot easier to go North and South there. And then we've really spent the last, um, the last few months focusing on some things that people won't necessarily notice. So if you sit in the tower terrace or you're going to one of those tower terrace suites, uh, we've uh, really cleaned up all of the steel that's, that's kind of above you or below you if you're in the suite. So you'll see that that's been completely cleaned up, complete renovation of the infield care center that the race car drivers uh, care about a lot, but so do our fans when they come to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So right now, just uh, in the process of getting that completely uh, renovated and, and ready to go. So those are kind of the two, two of the bigger things people will see. Um, the new uh, experience center on the north end of the racetrack, people will see that as well, which will be used for hospitality during a lot of the year. And then BMW will use it for some driving experience activities about uh, 20 days during the year. So that, that'll be new for people when they get to uh, get to the facility as well. Any, any chance we got that bench and, uh, and canopy on the turn one spotter stand? No canopy up there. We're still working on the bench piece. Uh, I, you know, I, you and I can't have a conversation without talking about that. So we're, we'll do our best uh, to help help you spotters out. No, no, it's it's all good. It's all good. It, um, you know, just super excited. Obviously, um, also excited we get to go to Texas first with IndyCar. You know, get some of the the high speed oval kind of jitters out of the way, and I think it's going to help a lot of teams as they uh, as they gear up and get ready for the month of May. That being said. Um, I know a part that probably doesn't have much to do with the racing, but what a lineup in the snake pit. That is unbelievable. The announcement that came out a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's a pretty big lineup for the snake pit. You know, I have to memorize the artists cause I don't listen to the music you know, um, obviously Connor being my stepson loves that stuff. So I, I knew who those folks were and, but really didn't listen. And then Carter, our youngest is really into that. So again, know who they are, but don't listen a lot, but uh, pretty excited about having, uh, having that lineup there, I think it'll be a, a lot of fun, and and we're looking forward to uh, doing that. We're going to expand the snake pit, the snake pit area just a little bit, which will give uh, those those uh, young adults who are in there a little bit more space while they're in there. We're trying to make sure that we keep them safe, but still allow them to have a have a good time. And then we'll be announcing. Uh, um, our other music acts for uh, Legends Day, a little bit of a twist to Legends Day coming up, and then uh, Carb Day as well. So uh, try and get that uh, that out of the way. The, the music industry is just really tough right now because all the artists haven't really toured in the last two years. So they're all kind of banding together and going out on these big Live Nation stadium and, and shed tours. So it's been a challenge for us really to... Uh, to get somebody, um, Carb Day in particular, trying to figure out where we are. And really, for me, the biggest thing is I just want it to be a party. I want people to come out, hear a bunch of songs we know, have a great time, um, you know, to kick the weekend off. So uh, we'll get that announced, I hope, here in the next uh, the next couple of weeks. But I think uh, what we've settled on is going to be a pretty good party for everybody, and we'll, uh, we'll enjoy Carb Day. We're calling it uh, EDM Electric Doug Music. So you really got to dive in. <laughs> To all the stuff, uh, Connor, and you're just all the you all the youths are listening to their Doug. Let me ask. Uh, I mean, I want to ask about uh, the memorabilia show. Whether that might be back on site this year, or if that's going to be off site. But before I get to that, uh, and where I lose all the limited money that I have, let's talk about field size. Uh, I know that, and I'm not asking you to break any news here, but 
I know I hear some folks within the greater Penske organization who believe we're going to be seeing big numbers. I know entries that I'm tracking, I don't know if they suggest big numbers. We should have, there should be a reason to have, quote, bump day. What are we looking at here, though, Doug? Because we've got uh, a little bit of a changing landscape with uh, new engines being pushed back to 2024. We don't necessarily have a bunch of folks saying, oh, well, with that change, we'll make extra chassis available for some of the smaller teams to use. So still trying to track that a little bit. Where's your confidence level that will be 33, 34 plus? I feel pretty good about bumping, but I think you're right. I don't think anybody really knows yet just how much more than a, you know, a couple of cars uh, we would have over the, over that bump number. A lot of that's dependent on, you know, engine availability, car availability. There are a lot of things, a lot of things going around. I think maybe at the beginning or, or the end of last season, sort of the beginning of the off season, we thought that the numbers might be a little higher, but the further we go, um, the more I feel like we're going to be in that 34, 35 range, not in the 37, 38 range. So, uh, you know, from me, from my standpoint, having that bumping is important. It's a, it makes for that, that makes that Sunday an awful lot of fun. So hopefully we'll be there. I know that, uh, you know, the Jay and the team at IndyCar are really working with a lot of the teams trying to figure out exactly what that's going to look like. So at some level, I'm sort of in the same position as, as a lot of the fans, you know, I'm obviously an advocate for bumping and getting as many cars uh, entered as possible, but a lot of it uh, really is is beyond my control, and it really it lies in the hands of the engine manufacturers and the chassis that are available, and you know the drivers that are qualified, and then putting all those pieces together. Sorry, slight delay there. Just um, had a piece of bacon, but um, so <laughs> birthday Doug, bacon. How, birthday how many bacon. years old are you, by the way? Uh, thirty six. Wow. So about the amount of cars that we're possibly going to have at the Indy 500. See, look at you. And honestly, I could probably rank all 36 just like I ranked the years of my life as far as favorite and least. But You're a um, mess, Wheeler. Say hi to some of our new guests. I am. So I just I want to let Doug know that the cool thing about Twitter spaces is it's like a live chat in a press conference. So we're going to bounce around a little bit, but Marcus Erickson. The, uh, the man who flew over the competition for his win at Nashville last year followed it up another time. Unmute yourself and welcome to the show. Yeah, what's up? Hello. <laughs> so I, weird, I got it. But I, I liked it. It's like a, so, having a chat and then, yeah, I don't know. So a lot of, a lot of our good. listeners, a lot of our listeners, Marcus, follow on um, and followed along with my Twitter this week. Now, I believe it was Saturday night tornado sirens went off very close to your where you live on the north side what was your reaction yeah that was uh, definitely interesting uh first my phone was going off and then yeah the sirens went off uh, on the street so i kind of um yeah definitely got me myself going but uh yeah, I sort of stand, was standing looking out the window and like, yeah, looking at the weather. And then I realized maybe it's not a good thing to stand looking right next to the window if it's actually a tornado coming. So, yeah, it was a bit of a new experience for me. Not so, another, so much, another candidate for my uh, rookie um, new locate, newly located tornado school that we're going to have to host after the, uh, the texts I got from Mr. Rosenquist and... Hearing your story and seeing Alex Blow's tweet, I think this is something we're gonna have to do. Yeah, no, that sounds. Uh, I'll, I'll sign up for that. I think that could, uh, like, uh, I guess there is like a 
shelter or something in my building. So I might be, maybe that's a good thing to check out where that is. Uh, maybe I yeah, can you know that you know that big envelope full of paperwork they gave you when you moved in that you threw in a drawer. It's probably yeah. in there. Uh, very much, uh, yeah, likely. <laughs> but regardless, so um, you know, a lot of stuff going on. We've, we've got the season underway. We've got Doug in here with us, um, talking a little bit about the month of May coming up in the Indy Five Hundred. Obviously, the Texas test today not successful. Uh, that was some great. teams. It's a really good, uh, good day. Of <laughs> that, yeah, that's actually totally false, Chris Wheeler. Uh, as I told Marcus, we're gonna we're gonna start promoting the fact that he broke the all time lap record there and turned a lap <laughs> of three hundred and forty two miles an hour. I dare anyone to defy it. But kidding aside, Marcus, <laughs> drink. Yes, uh, tell folks about what it's like. To get all ramped up to go testing and you pack up all your gear and you pack your clothes and you make sure you wash your butt and you comb your hair and you shave and you do all the things you need and go to a different state to go around in circles in your motor racing vehicle and you get there and the weather says, hey, double barrel middle fingers to you. It's not happening. Tell folks what that's like. It's not the same as showing up to game day and the, the game being canceled. But there is a feeling of that, right? You get ramped up for this big thing and then wah, 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 no fun for you. Yeah, it was definitely disappointing. Uh, like you say, you, you prepare quite a lot, even for a test. You know, it's, it's a lot of preparation. You know, last week we had meetings and prep, yeah, prep meetings and you set up a plan. You do a lot of studying and, you know, even a test day goes a lot of preparation into it. So to just have it called off like today, it was, it was definitely disappointing. Looking at the bright side, though, I did get an awesome meal of Texas barbecue last night and fried chicken for lunch today. So, you know, yeah. life could be worse. <laughs> you are winning here, my man. So, <laughs> when you so have... My, my 24 hours of uh, Texas, it was, uh, it was still okay. Yeah, you still put on it. five pounds of ballast. So, uh, yeah, good that on is you. But, I, I mean, I've been there before. Someone asked uh, on Twitter, and I, I remembered back in 1998, we... Uh, drove out our shop is based here in the San Francisco Bay Area for the uh, general racing Thomas Knapp Motorsports uh, IRL team. Drove out to Texas, uh, all set to test right around this time. And it was like we got within however many miles of Dallas Fort Worth and it was snowing. And we're like, wait a minute, Texas snowing? I don't, my brain doesn't compute. I think it's always hot there, but no, indeed, it can, uh, can be very frosty. Uh, you know, one thing I'd love to, to learn, Marcus, and maybe you and Doug can share some insights here. You being now fully integrated for a little while in the greater Indianapolis, Speedway, Indiana, just central hub of what IndyCar racing is about. What is it like living in a community where Doug seemingly is everywhere, every day doing some sort of outreach or, or growth or promotion or connecting with people what's it like marcus being part of a a racing community where there's a whole region of the country that just wakes up every day living and breathing indycar yeah i i love it you know i i've been now in indianapolis uh it's my fourth year now uh living here and uh like you say you know you can feel when you speak to people when you just out and about, you know, it's 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 definitely uh, racing and IndyCar is is a big uh, big part of this uh, part of the country. So it's it's super cool, and and the the closer we get to May every year, you know, it just uh, ramps everything up more and more. So that was the you know one of the biggest things for me 
coming here to Indy and, and experience the Indy 500 the first time in 2019 before uh, COVID and all that. It was just to see how much the community and all the people, how much the Indy 500 really means to everyone uh, here. Here, you know, it's it's such a uh, big part of everyone's lives, and and that for me was uh, was something I didn't expect, and and I was very very. Uh, impressed with and, and that's something that I think is very unique and, and, and something that we as drivers you know are super thankful of and it creates just this magical ex, uh, atmosphere and experience so Doug as, as we hear about what Marcus has to say about it you know two, two more things left for you because we know you got to go here soon but what are some of uh, what 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 gets you excited about what's coming up here? The as we talk, eighty two days and some change of hours. As that ramps up, that gets closer. What are the things that just keep you pumped up and like a kid on Christmas? Well, for me, I think it's probably the same thing that keeps our drivers excited, especially guys like Marcus who had an opportunity to run the five hundred before twenty twenty. And fortunately for Marcus, he's seen. He got to see that, so he knows in his fourth run this year what it, what it'll be like. I, for me, it's just hosting fans. I love when people get to come back through the gates and seeing the smiling faces and seeing fans bringing their kids. And you know, part of the reason I call customers every night is because I just that's what keeps me pumped up is hearing the stories of why people coming back year after year after year and how they got in, introduced to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and in particular the Indy 500. So, I mean, that's really the thing. That uh, yeah, makes me, just uh, really the most pumped the main... up. And then just seeing what's gonna what's gonna be new. I know, you know, we're not breaking track records, but we certainly are going faster in a car that we've been used to at some level, really, for the last 10 years. And I know that uh, the drivers and the teams work in the offseason to be faster and, and and the fields will get more competitive. And, you know, those those are the things I look forward to. I love qualifying at the Speedway. That's a, it's such a powerful moment. You know, the, a driver strapped in by himself 10 miles um, on edge, you know, I don't think people really understand how, how difficult that process is for drivers to really put a car on the edge and try and try and run up front. So that's an exciting moment for me, but really it's, it's just all about, it's all about waiting for fans to come through the gates. Cause that's what makes the thing special. And for this year, you know, Roger's been around uh, a lot of Indy 500s. He's never been around a real Indy 500s as owner. The last two years don't count. So for me, I just want to deliver a full 300,000-plus facility for Roger Penske so he can see what that's like from this side of the fence. I, I love that. And, and before you go, I have a bit of a challenge. You don't, have to, you don't have to accept now. But just to put into terms how intense your work ethic is when we hit May, I'm gonna, I would like to reach out to my friends at Whoop. Let's get Doug Bowles a Whoop for the month of May and start an open group that anybody in car fan can join so you can compare all your data points so we can see the day strain and the recovery of Doug Bowles during the month of May. <laughs> well, that, w- that would definitely be an interesting one. The month of May is um, definitely, a, it's definitely a marathon for me. Not a lot of sleep and a lot of steps and a lot of flights of stairs, and, uh, but it's, it's 100% worth it. You know, I, I tell people I've got the greatest job in the world because I get to represent those 300,000 fans uh, in the boardroom and, and in sponsor meetings and all the other, other pieces just to try and be a fan's voice there as we're continuing to try and make the place better. But uh, that would be an interesting one uh, uh, to, to uh, uh, let people uh, kind of follow me around for sure. I can vouch. Uh, granted, this is before you took the, uh, the role of president, Doug, but when you were uh, the head of uh... – uh, communications and all that. I mean, I don't know how many nights, whether it was you 
peeking your head out of the office saying, all right, Pruitt, turn off the lights. When you go home, you're the last one here or vice versa, because you are the last one there. Like just watching the amount of time you invest and have invested into what you do. Like when Roger bought the place, okay, this is to me is kind of the ultimate, ultimate cosign. Roger works harder than any of his employees, despite being 85 years old. But that's also kind of the standard, right? And so for folks who aren't accustomed to working, it's not just the amount of hours, just hard, intense, get things done, just what's next, let's go get it. That's who Roger is. And there are some people, admittedly, within the greater what we now call Penske Entertainment uh, group, owning IndyCar and Speedway and so on. I worried for them, Doug, because I knew that their natural work ethic was in conflict with what Roger would be expecting. You, I always knew you're going to be golden from, from day one because you and Roger are very, very identical in that way. So it's just really good to see the track coming back to strength after strength again, getting back to quote normal this year for the first time in a couple at the 500, knowing that this stuff isn't just happening by chance. It's you, all of your staff, everybody at Penske entertainment, but you really have been the engine behind this stuff uh, for many years. And we're all greatly appreciative of it because we see and feel and reap the benefits of it. Well, those are those are kind words. It really is about the team, and I guess part of the reason I'm in the office early and in the and still there late is because I want to be there when the team gets there, and I want to be there when the team leaves. Because the most thing, the most important thing for me is I want the team to know, uh, you know, that I'm I'm willing to do whatever it is they have to do to get the things accomplished. And you know, we're all this, our entire industry is lucky to have a whole bunch of great people, both on the IMS side and the IndyCar side, who are so passionate about this sport. Uh, that they're willing to put the time in it. And we all have families that, uh, that put up with us being gone all the time and, uh, and really focused on uh, this thing we call the Indianapolis 500 that uh, I can't wait to, uh, I can't wait for the green flag to drop and uh, see what Marcus gets to do in his fourth run at it. Sexy Swedish chocolate coming to the speedway. I, uh, I can't wait to see those hero cards. Doug, thanks as always for taking some time. You always, all right, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Doug. It was my first time doing one of these, so that was entertaining. Happy birthday, Chris. Enjoy the evening. Thanks. And you're welcome back anytime. All right. We'll see you guys. Sebastian Saavedra, why don't you unmute yourself and say hello? What's happening? <laughs> there he is. <laughs> when, when are we going to get you back in an IndyCar, man? It's, we got we to make all these European stuff play stealing my rights. <laughs> Shots fired across Erickson's bow. Oh, oh goodness. <laughs> no, man. It's good. Good to hear from you guys. I'm more of an Instagram guy. Uh, and I haven't opened my Twitter in probably two years. So as soon as I saw you guys were doing this, as we were driving from uh, Nashville back to this beautiful Indiana weather, uh, I had to jump in and, and, and just uh, hear two masterminds. So thanks for the oh. invite. Thank you. Well, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm just, I'm just happy you're alive and well. The last text I got was, uh, was lips on Sunday yeah. night. You were, you were due for uh, a certain uh, party. We, we Marshall and I were both at, and we never saw you. So I'm just happy that you made it through that night alive. Yeah, St. Pete was uh, interesting. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm an awful fan. I, I, I cannot watch 
uh, without wanting to be there. So I actually just indulged into discovering what Sampit had to offer. And uh, I, I can say that Sampit is quite interesting outside of the track as well. <laughs> Marcus, I, uh, I don't know if it's just sheer coincidence, but I do love the fact that we have the current driver of the number eight Chip Ganassi racing entry in Sebastian, who was a former driver of the number eight Chip Ganassi entry. So by sheer luck, we've got both guys who know that number and know that team. Oh, that's very cool. I didn't know that. about it. Yeah. It's been, it's been a whole second. So Marcus, let's talk a little bit about your St. Pete. Would say the weekend did not start the way Chip Ganassi Racing planned over the last six months. Uh, granted, every team goes into the first race of the year thinking, aha, we've had a wonderful offseason of development. We found all kinds of speed. Our cars are going to be rockets. And then we get to Friday first practice. And then maybe old days we'd have a second or we get to Saturday and there's another practice session. And there's always a couple teams that go, Oh, shit. And I don't want to say you guys were totally in that direction, but fast right off the trailer wasn't exactly how things started off for you. Tell us about that and tell folks what it's like. Again, six months of anticipation starting a new season, and you're not necessarily, and your other teammates aren't necessarily bothering uh, P1, 2, 3, or 4. Yeah, no, you, you're right there. We didn't roll off as, as strong as we would like or we would thought we would be. I think, uh, again, it comes to, I know this is a classic in, in IndyCar, but, uh, you know, we went to Sebring. We, we we had a really good test there and found some things that we really liked. And then we roll off in St. Pete and it doesn't really work like you think it would. So, you know, uh, it's not the first time that happened and uh, I'm sure not the last time. Uh, with that said, though, I think still some of the things we did find in, in Sebring, when we started to fine tune that throughout the weekend, we, we, we got it to work really well. And I think that's one of the great things with Chip Ganassi Racing. You know, it's, it's, it's a group that always... Um, you know, so many clever people in, in, in Chip Ganassi Racing. So when we start off uh, the weekend a bit off, you know, I know that, you know, I didn't want to be anywhere else in the paddock to, to sort of turn things around. And surely when we come to qualifying, we get uh, three cars in the top 10. And uh, and then in, in the race, you know, we, we were as fast as anyone. And, you know, I think uh, for me, you know, I had one of my stronger races pace-wise and was definitely on for a podium. And, and Alex obviously finished on the podium in P2. So it's it's just one of those things with Ganassi that uh, that I think is great. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was definitely a, a challenging first weekend for us as a team. And work, folks, Marcus, and maybe Sebastian, you can share some insights too. But work, folks, through that process. So if you're a small team, new team, inexperienced team, you might be freaking out, panicking, throwing things, etc. in the engineering room. But for a reigning champion team like yours, back-to-back champions, I wouldn't expect a lot of yelling and shouting and, damn it, what did we miss? But there's also going to be a little bit of tension and pressure of, hey, we can't exactly wait to get through the opening weekend to then try and find speed and come back at round two. We only have 17 shots at this all year long. We got to make all of these count. Tell folks about the, the group process 
of maybe starting off not on the mark. How does that conversation take place, Marcus, in the engineering room with drivers and team management, whatever, about how do we start to look for maybe where we missed? Uh, who has any ideas on something we might try that we haven't? Tell folks about that process because it is truly, it's not about cars. It's about people coming up with ideas as quickly as they can to kind of get the ship pointed in the right direction. How does that happen? Yeah, so so I think, you know, first thing that happens is obviously you have a debrief after the, the first session and uh, and that's where sort of the, the first brief ideas come up. We, we try and run through the session. We, we talk uh, another good thing we can ask, you know, we have four cars, so four drivers that can we straight away start talking with each other about how the car feels and, and all and all that and then uh, after the or during the debrief everyone engineers drivers we all discuss together about the session what we think what we need to go forward and be better and then we start digging into to numbers digging into the data and digging into onboards and, and all these kinds of things uh, looking at sector times which sectors are we losing more in compared to the competition there is so much uh, data available to look at, and and all that combined with driver feedback, it's it sort of leads you in in a certain way. And 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 like you said, I think one thing that's important in these situations as well is also to believe in what you're doing and not sort of turn everything upside down and and you know start uh, going crazy or anything like that. You need to be constructive and then sort of do it step by step. Uh, so we we worked really hard there on Friday nights after the first practice to to sort of understand where we were lacking and 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 what to do and we came up you know on, on after Friday night we, we came up with a plan for for Saturday how to sort of improve as a team uh, also when we have multiple cars you know you can try some different things on different cars and then sort of come together for for qualifying uh, so I think. That was sort of what we did, and, and like I said, I think we, we came out quite strong for qualifying. Obviously, we want to challenge for pole and then be on pole position if possible, but with being a bit too far behind in P1 to come out with three cars in the top 10, I think was a really good comeback. So but that's sort of how the process uh, looks like uh, you know, after a, a practice session. Let me ask one more question on this theme, and then I'll throw to Chris. So you guys make improvements and session by session you're making improvements qualifying wasn't great by by chip ganassi racing standards but it was good it, it was definitely quote good right <clears throat> dixie got up there in p7 you were p8 uh alex was p10 jimmy obviously you know still digging to try and make that happen but y'all were you know towards the the top of the top 10 which is certainly an improvement. How do you start to push or, or shape things, Marcus, coming out of qualifying, going into the race, both chassis changes-wise with your race engineer, Brad Goldberg, uh, in this group setting with others? Is there a hierarchy? Hey, Scott Dixon, he's got a whole bunch of championships. I'm not going to tell him to shut up. Hey, Polo, you just won the title. I'm not going to necessarily tell you to shut up. Or... <clears throat> Do you just say what you got to say? And it's not a hierarchy type thing. No, I think that's the thing. You know, we all listen to each other. We all have so good sort of experiences, uh, all four of us drivers, but also the engineers. So we sort of just try and, and listen to each other and be very open and, and sort of 
learn from each other. And I think that's one of the big strengths that I felt last year. You know, we, we worked so well together, us four drivers, but also the engineering group. And I think that's why we were, you know, three cars in the top six in the championship uh, last year. So that's the thing, you know, after qualifying, we, we straight away start talking about the race. Uh, for sure, some some of the cars have a small small differences in setup, but the base setup I would say is very similar across all four cars. Uh, and then you know you sort of work for, for for race day what to do with the race car compared to the qualifying car. For example, you, you talk about me and my engineer Brad Goldberg. You know we we work together now, starting our third year together, and and we you know we've really clicked from from day one, and and we work so well together. I feel like, and and he's. A big reason why I've been improving so much, you know, last year and having that breakthrough year. And and just for give you an example, Brad called me after I got back from dinner on Saturday night and like 9 p.m. I was back in the hotel and we talked for an hour about, you know, setup and, and different things just to like prepare ourselves to be ready for warm up on, on, on Sunday morning. So that's the thing in race weekends, you know, your head is constantly spinning. You're always trying to think of how to go faster, you know, and, and that driver engineering relationship is so, so important. See, I thought you two would be sitting in the same hotel room, like braiding each other's hair with little cucumber slices over your <laughs> eyes and just finding that little happy medium. Mr. Wheeler, floor is yours. And should we invite some of our, our dear friends who are joining in for the many of Absolutely. the time and some who are listening for the, the first time to raise your hand or, or request to speak? We got... Yeah. Uh, Big, big, sexy Swede and even sexier Colombian here in Saavedra. So come on. So, uh, so Sebastian, obviously, you know, you're, you're still fighting. You're still working at it. You know, wanting to get back in the car. But you, what have you been doing? Because, like, I know what you've been doing. And you've actually been having a big impact on a lot of younger kids' careers. But for, for those that don't know and aren't, aren't engaged as much with your daily movements, you know, what have you been up to? Yes, man. It's been, uh, it's been a minute since I haven't been in in, in an IndyCar, and that's something that continues to be an objective. And, you know, as 31, I think I still have uh, plenty of time to, to make sense of it. But uh, I've uh, discovered a, a really cool aspect on <clears throat> on the racing careers, on managing a little bit and also coaching that I didn't know I had in me and um, introducing a lot of uh, Latin American upcoming drivers into the American and European ranks. And that's something that, uh, again, just uh, very naturally came through and and started to explore that side outside of a race car and uh, ended up uh, discovering a very interesting world that I've been embracing uh, just for a few years now. But uh, I also started a couple of businesses. Um, one that is a big uh, import of uh, uh, auto parts from all over the world to Colombia and uh, also opened a specialty garage in Bogota, Colombia. So it's uh, been busy, keeping myself busy. Definitely wanting to get back at it, but uh, uh, as long as I'm surrounded by fuel and fumes and the smell of uh, rubber in the mornings, like uh, I, I can still survive. <laughs> So let's talk about some of those younger kids you've been working with talent-wise. Um, you know, are you seeing – obviously, you're not going to work with any wankers. We know that. Um, so you're only working with talented kids. But with those kids, you know, what are we seeing as far as where they want to end up? You know, is it still 
Are they still pushing for that Formula One dream? They want to get to the airport. Are you seeing more of the younger kids look at IndyCar right away and say, man, that's the pinnacle. That's where I want to be. Well, it's, uh, it's always that, that initial young impact of Formula One. And that's something that uh, we were all there. We've all been there. as so we grow from go-karts. And even now with uh, all the Formula One shows, how he just like made this huge boom of even younger generation wanting to go to Europe. And it's been my mission to kind of like like open a little bit the eyes of um, the sponsors and the parents mostly to to look a little bit more on a realistic aspect. Um, coming from a very small country like Colombia is, that uh, we do not have that support, that government support or that private sponsorship support than a lot of the Europeans do have for a lot of the, you know, the, the, that side of, of the world. And going back to my, my initial statement, I was not attacking. It's just uh, completely uh, the, the reality of, of the matter. We cannot fight against those budgets. So that has uh, opened the potential for this uh, younger generation to see ranks in Mexico because Mexico very little people know they have a really well-structured uh, racing community and racing uh, categories, even NASCAR itself. Uh, Argentina is absolutely massive when it comes to the passion and uh, the amount of uh, GT racing uh, qualities as well as Brazil. So slowly kind of like directing them to places they can, you know, like enhance their driving capabilities and slowly trying to guide uh, individually based on uh, on what I see out of them. If they're good in open wheel, they're more GT, even rally, which is my, my passion, number one passion in, in the world when it comes to motorsports. So, yeah, there's a little bit of, of everything, I would say. Now, you know, being a mentor to these kids, obviously, you, mean, you know what I do for a living. Um, and getting to see them in, at such a young age, who, who were some of the people that helped you along the way, you know, which led to your program here and, 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 and the successes that you had? So I had one of the best mentors I could uh, ever think of, which was uh, Roberto Guerrero. Um, he's somebody that, uh, of course, opened the map of motorsports and professional motorsports to my country back in the, in the 80s. And something that uh, we never even thought it was possible. Uh, then, of course, Montoya was the one that actually generated that big boom that basically started when I started in, go- in go-karts. And uh, then together, they actually did quite a lot for, for the racing, just in general for us to even have up to five Colombian drivers at one point in, in the series. So <clears throat> they, those, those were the big names that I even had the passion to to had as a spotter and uh, as my first instructor, Roberto, in, uh, in the 500. So just like that, I, I, I see myself a little bit uh, more to this younger generation. And what about you, Marcus? Um, obviously, coming out of the Europe, European ranks, I, there's a lot of the, the former European F1 IndyCar guys that are helping lead the, the future generations different places around the world. Who are some of the key people that helped you navigate that um, and navigate your career all the way up through the Formula One to the IndyCar? Yeah, I, I had, uh, so I was doing go-karts and I got picked up uh, at an early age when I was 15 uh, by a management company 
that was led by uh, someone that a lot of you guys in America know, uh, Kenny Brack, uh, who obviously had a very successful career over here. So don't don't we also get to mention my person with the favorite my favorite name on the planet Earth, Ej Elge, if I've yeah, pronounced I was, his name correctly. I was, gonna, I was just gonna say it was Kenny and and A Elge. A, which no one can pronounce. I'm never <laughs> going to get that, Marcus. So I apologize. Apologize, <laughs> all Swedish speakers. Right. Uh, so, so yeah, Kenny and Aya was um, uh, picked me up when I was 15 and, and helped me all the way up to uh, to to F1. Uh, Kenny stepped out of the sort of uh, my management when he was or when I was like a year before F1. But AJ is still still with me today, you know, and it's it's managing me, and it's done for the last yeah fifteen years. So it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a great journey together, and uh, you know, uh, you, you need good people around you to guide you, you know, and people with experience. So that's uh, it's definitely a difficult you know uh, sport otherwise. How much? <laughs> how much have you played the role, Marcus? Now that you're here. You've been firmly embedded embedded in IndyCar for many years now. How much of a, I don't know if mentor, but big brother have you been to some of your countrymen who followed along, right? Linus Lundqvist, phenomenal talent. Uh, Rasmus Lind and so on, right? Now, obviously, we've got Felix who's been here for a little while. But tell me about some of the, the road to Indy, the Cooper Tires road to Indy generation that you you obviously see and I would assume are rooting for, but you've got some kids who want to be the next Marcus Erickson. Are you able to help and give them advice during a race weekend or, or coach them throughout the year if they uh, they need any input on what to do with their careers? Yeah, I mean, I, I speak to Linus and, and Rasmus uh, every now and then, and I think, you know, uh, me and Felix coming here to IndyCar is definitely open sort of, uh, the eyes on, on American racing again for, for, for Europeans and, 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 and especially Swedish drivers, you know, younger drivers. Um, so, see, I try and help as much as I can. Uh, but I think, you know, more more uh, on, on a coaching level, I, I do more for my, my brother. I have a younger brother in Hampus who is racing back in Sweden in Porsche. So I'm sort of coaching him uh, as much as I can from from the other side of the world, but <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's good to see a lot of Swedes and like you say, Linus is is very exciting to follow him this year in Indy Lights. I think he can definitely uh, win that championship. It's going to be tough, but he's right up there. So uh, it's good to see that so many Swedes are coming over and trying here in, in America. As I've told you many times before, I am the son of a Swedish and British car specialist. So uh, all I've known growing up is the beautiful colors of Sweden and the cars of Sweden. And that's where I learned to work on cars. So uh, I thank you once again for your fine uh, automotive products there, Mr. Erickson. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's say a hello to everyone who's just tuned in for the first time. This is our hashtag racing family show. We call it that because it's kind of what we're trying to do and kind of what Chris Wheeler and I live in, which is just a large and growing community of racing fans and friends, whether you're professional or just love watching the race cars on the TV or our super passionate fan who get out to the races quite often. Uh, we're just honestly trying to just connect and be part of this uh, hashtag racing family that have uh, sustained us for decades upon decades. 
we're really fortunate here with this as an extension of my podcast to say a big thank you to those who support everything we do from Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. And if you like this little thing that Wheeler and I do, please share it and invite others to tune in. We're going to try and do a couple of these each week. I think we're going to keep trying to do Monday at 5 p.m. 8 Eastern as maybe a standing appointment and have new guests for you. It's not always going to be IndyCar, Indy 500. It'll be other series as well, but IndyCar is certainly the thing that Chris and I uh, spend the majority of our time in. So, Mr. Wheeler, you want to invite one of our listeners who have requested to speak uh, I, to I speak? I do. I do, but I'm going to do that thing where I say but first. And for those of you that are curious and you're sitting there wondering, oh, no, what else are they going to talk about? I've already requested downhill Barbie Jeep racing, and Marshall told me no. So, you don't have to worry about that. However, we will now go to our questions. And our first guest speaker of the night, Jamie Rowe at Jamie Rowe 23. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Chris, and happy birthday. Um, Thank you. Hey, question I had for, for Marcus. First of all, uh, Marcus, I'm from Detroit, and I was at Detroit Race 1 last, uh, last year. And when... Uh, uh, Coming out of the red there, I think there were a lot of people upset that uh, Will Powers' car didn't start, and I wasn't one of them because I had money on Marcus Erickson in that race. I want to say thank you for uh, a, a, a yeah. big win for <laughs> me uh, last year at, at, at Detroit GP1. Um, and it was a nice odds on you there, too, so it was a good day for us. Um, the question I have, everybody talks about uh, the need for a drive-to-survive type of show uh, regarding IndyCar, and... Of all the people in IndyCar, you're the one guy that was in Drive to Survive uh, season one. And uh, maybe you and Zach Brown, maybe the only two that, that in IndyCar who were in that. And just wondered what you thought about uh, such a show coming to uh, IndyCar. Because the, the one season I saw with you in it, we saw got to see you in uh, some fun times at the Italian Grand Prix. Um, and just wondered if you thought it was a good idea and if it would add to uh, IndyCar. Yeah, first of all, congrats on that. That was a uh, you know, nice thing. Thanks for betting on me. <laughs> now he's going to want 10% when he sees you in Detroit <laughs> exactly. this year, Jamie. You exactly. blew it. <laughs> no, that was a, it was a good day. Uh, you know, my first win as well. So that was uh, yeah, a very, very special day. I will always remember that. Uh, regarding the right to survive, I, I, I know for a fact that IndyCar is working on that and then sort of looking at... Um, uh, different ways of doing something similar. I think, uh, you know, these days with uh, how, you know, how the world is, I was going to almost say, you know, I think definitely would add something to, to IndyCar and to sort of get to the drivers more. I think we are so many drivers from different parts of the world, different backgrounds, and, you know, to just follow us a bit more in between the races, behind the, behind the scenes a bit more. I think that definitely would be something that uh, people would like to see and also to help get a more of a connection to, to us drivers and sort of get to know us drivers a bit more. So I think that's been the biggest thing with the Drive to Survive for, for F1 is to, to get new fans, but also get to know the drivers a bit more personally. And, and that's been a huge success. And I think what we have going, you know, especially... Uh, is to focus around the 500 you know it's just a, such a unique race and i think just that race alone or that month of may you know we could make really really good tv around that and, and that would 
definitely uh, be an opportunity to get new fans to our fantastic sport. Marcus, can I add to Jamie's question here? If I'm trying to think and compare and contrast between Formula One's drive to survive and whatever we might have here, IndyCar's version, when I think of what we've seen the last three seasons of Drive to Survive, I know season four, if it's not already out, will be out here shortly. Um, there are some drivers that, that have some interesting things to say, but it seems mostly to be a bunch of cattiness and bitchiness between team owners or team principals. Like, that's kind of the thing. Toto says something against Horner. Horner says something about so. It's like, it seems to be more of the ooh, burn kind of thing among the people running the teams than less so the drivers. I don't know if you agree, but IndyCar, we've got a lot of personality among the drivers, right? Connor Daly could fuel the entire season himself with his personality. (laughs) I don't know if we have, like, you and I know Chip Ganassi's got a lot of opinions. Is he going to be the one to share that on camera? Probably not. Same with Penske. What do you think? Do you think if we had our own, it maybe be the opposite of F1? Maybe not so much the owners talking smack, but more the drivers kind of, you know, coming out of their shells? I, I think so. I think, like you said, you know, you obviously don't want to copy a product. So I don't think we should do it if we do it the same exact way like F1 uh, has done it or Drive to Survive has done it. I think also one thing that me as a driver, you know, that I don't like so much with the drive to survive is they, they sort of making all these dramas out of things that's not really, it's real, you know? And, and I think for, for IndyCar, I would probably focus more, like say on the drivers, more on the, on the pure racing and, and, and sort of, yeah, follow us a bit in between races and like stuff like that, uh, I think would be quite cool for people to sort of see, um, so yeah, I definitely feel like we could we could focus it a bit more on the drivers uh, com- compared to the drive to survive. Yeah, you know, personally, Marcus, I think if they want the drama, all they got to do is come up to the spotter stand on a noble. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not a bad bad idea. <laughs> uh, so let's go to uh, Jamie Carr at IndyCar Fan ninety five. Anybody with IndyCar in their actual Twitter handle has the right to speak at any time here. So Jamie, welcome. Thanks, Chris, and thanks, Marshall, for, for hosting this. It's a really exciting thing, thing to do. Um, I was kind of a question for Marcus. Um, back to, you know, I've never driven been a race car driver, but I drive a regular car. I never really learned how to cuss until I was driving all those years ago. So back to Nashville, when your nose was pointed skyward, just my kind of curious question was, were you cussing in English or were you cussing in Swedish at that time? Uh, both probably. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a bit of a moment, and I, I was pretty sure that I was uh, game over for my day. So I was, uh, yeah, very certain that my car was broken and not drivable anymore. So I was definitely, yeah, uh, very upset at that moment. Let's put it that way. But uh, it turned out to be a pretty good day anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, it was. It's one of the better drives I've seen in, in a while. And as well as uh, just the add-in that I've, I've always had a thing for Swedish cars. A buddy in high school, his parents had a Saab. And the first time I think I did double or triple the speed limit was in his Saab. So I'll leave it at That's that. That's good. So. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. That had well, to be so 
was that a 9,000 turbo? What? Because trust me, an old Saab 99 wasn't doing triple digits. I tried. <laughs> it was a, a 900 uh, four-door, and his parents to this day don't know that he did that. So, but <laughs> so it was a the four-door 900 turbo. Jamie, I love it. I love it. You're you're speaking my language here. Let's uh, let's see. Let's say, why don't uh, why don't we go with uh, Coma Four Thousand? Why don't you unmute yourself and say hello and ask a question? Hello, uh, I'm a bit nervous. I'll be honest. <laughs> so I have a question for Marcus. Um, so. Um, I was one of the guys that I went to see you in mid-Ohio. I don't know if you remember someone with long hair, wearing a Marcus cap, Marcus t-shirt, all black. I went there to meet you. It was really fun watching you go there, get second place. I was really rooting for you to get the win, but New Garden didn't let you. And my question is, how, which of the tracks are you most looking forward to return to this year end? Aside from the probably the Indy 500, I think that's the one we'd pick. But from the other tracks, which one would you choose as your favorite to return to this year? Yeah, thanks a lot for that. Uh, I, I really appreciate your support there. And I do remember, uh, I have a memory of, of seeing you there in Mid Ohio. So, yeah. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. My pleasure. Uh, that is awesome because uh, I didn't remember. Like when I saw you at St. Pete, Marcus, I had to reintroduce you myself because you looked. You no, I didn't recognize you. You <laughs> looked at me. You're like, who's this fat idiot? They left on pit lane. I had to reintroduce myself. I'm kidding aside. That's awesome. No, that's it's always good to see uh, fans with uh, Marcus Ericsson gear on. So yeah, it's. Um, it's getting more and more. It's not that many, but yeah, it's getting more and more. So yeah, I uh, love to see that. Thanks a lot. Um, coming back to your question, I think, you know, uh, Detroit has always been good for me. And, and, you know, this is last year we go there. I know it's bumpy. I know it's rough and it's, uh, uh, yeah, not the nicest track we go to, but I just, like the challenge there i like all the bumps i like all the rough surfaces and the walls being close and you know the fact that i've won my first race there and finished you know my first podium there you know kind of helps the case i guess <laughs> but yeah i can't wait to get back there and and, and especially like it will be the last time we race on Belle isle so uh, i'm really looking forward to that i'm looking forward to getting back to toronto uh, i was there in 19 my one and only time and i loved the that whole race and experience, I think that was super cool. So uh, that's going to be exciting to get back there. Uh, and also, to be fair, the, the Iowa doubleheader is going to be a really cool weekend. I love short uh, short track, you know, uh, uh, ovals. And, and the racing on Iowa is always so good with the high tire wear that you usually have there. And the racing there is so much fun. So... Those are some of my picks. I could probably go on for a while more because I look forward to all of them. But, uh, but yeah, those are some of my picks. Well, I want Coma to ask one more question if desired. I mean, your your name and your flag um, is in his uh, Twitter profile. So, you know, there's definite love there. But I just wanted to share a little appreciation about you, Marcus. I've told you this before, but I just need to say it more often. There's a stereotype that some American race fans have 
of the of a quote European race car driver, road racer in particular. Uh, all they want perfectly smooth tracks, lots of runoff area, air conditioning, and just to be pampered. And they're all princesses. And I'm not saying that's accurate, but I'm saying there are a number of American race fans who have that belief. Of the many things I appreciate about Marcus Erickson, pretty much everything he mentioned in terms of a favorite track is bumpy and dirty and nasty (laughs) and high consequence and banging wheels off of the wall. And right. And I love that about you, man, because whatever folks might think, the things you love most are the ones where you have to get your elbows out and get grimy and you get bruised and leave some bruises. And there's a mentality there, man, that fits perfectly with IndyCar. So just a little appreciation for you. I, I, I agree. And I, that's like I said, you know, the, those tracks, you know, has so much character and, 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 you know, Iowa, first time I got there, I couldn't believe we were actually going to race there because it looked like a go-kart track. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I love that kind of tracks, you know, the bumpy and then, and no margin for errors and, and sort of those type of tracks just, uh, it's the way of racing. I, I love to go racing. And, and that's why, you know, the IndyCar series, we have so many cool tracks that we go to. Um, so yeah, I, I love that type of racing for sure. So Marcus, I need to apologize. Cause when we talked at the beginning of the show and I introduced you, I talked about your big first one at Nashville and I just, I'd forgotten about Detroit and it's probably because race one, I was a little preoccupied. I was dealing with some things, you know, I had uh, I had Felix in the hospital. I was dealing with the Askew coming over. Uh, a lot of things. So my apologies, my man. It's okay. We still you're love you. You're, yeah, you're yeah. all good, bud. You're all good, bud. Coma, why don't you uh, throw one more question Marcus's way, and then maybe we will invite uh, – who are we going to tee up next? Uh, Ed Spencer, you'll follow Coma. Um, so basically – um, not really a question, but I would like to um, thank Marcus because he was my driver that I chose to root for in IndyCar. I followed Formula One before that, and when he came into IndyCar, um, I was like, yeah, let's check out that category. And I've been sticking with Marcus as my favorite IndyCar driver since then, and it's really been a ride. And I've also seen a lot of um, special moments for him, his first win in Detroit. There was also that wild race in um, Nashville. And actually, let's make a question about Nashville. So how wild was that for you? I mean, you went into Bordes back, you got a penalty, went to the back, and then you won the race with Colton came in like a, coming like a bullet after you. It was, it was really wild. I had my heart going there for a while. But man, how was it for you? Yeah. Once again, thank you so much for for your support. That that means a lot. And, and you know, hearing you 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 came over from from you know watching F one to see here in IndyCar and sort of liking IndyCar, it's it's awesome. You know, I love that story. And and you know, thanks again for the support. My pleasure, uh, mate. You're awesome. Uh, and then to yeah, talking about Nashville, uh, you know, I still trying to figure out how I won that race. <laughs> to be fair, it was. Uh, yeah, going from that uh, start of a, of a race to, to victory circle a couple of hours later was 
was definitely yeah it's crazy a lot of emotions that day and, and to win the first ever nashville's uh, you know street race was uh, was very very special um and i think like you said there you know the second half of the race you know i definitely had some luck to get myself back in contention but also um i was very fast and, and did the overtakes i had to do and put had, you know put myself in a position to challenge for the win and um to, to keep Colton behind on a weekend where he was dominating all weekend was uh, was a good effort and, and uh, yeah like I said a very special day for me so uh, something I will always remember for sure. Coma, you have a little luck on the street circuits. You said you like the Detroit one. You like you wanted to come back to Toronto and you did amazing in Nashville. So maybe some yeah. luck, but I think you are skilled at those. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I really like the street courses. They are they're fun. I like them a lot. Wheeler, I just had an idea as I hand That's, the trip back to you. This is scary. This is scary, no, folks. It is. It is. I had an idea because we, thanks to you and Claire Bourdais, we had that amazing congratulations on an amazing IndyCar career party for Bourdais. I'm just saying, we got to think about our brother Marcus here. Because clearly he wants to go back and defend as winner of Nashville. It. I'm not we gotta, stopping yet, all right? Well, but we got to get <laughs> Bourdais in the Nashville race. Because clearly, dude, you came up with the script last year of running up his backside, um, nearly turning off the motor and, and shutting things down when you had your, your uh, hashtag front nose stuck under the front of the car, and then pulled off this crazy comeback story to win. So I'm just saying. If you want to win Nashville back to back, we got to get Bourdais in the field somehow, Wheeler. And since I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, Marshall. If if I've got to listen to Sebastian another night after a street race in Nashville when Marcus drove over him and then went to victory <laughs> lane one more time, I'm, this show is going to have to start paying more. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, going to say we, maybe we should not bring that up to Sebastian again. It was quite funny. We were at the. At Daytona, actually, and and one of the <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was someone at the I don't remember <laughs> we were at the track there, and then someone was like, "Ah, oh, Sebastian and Marcus, oh, you have you guys are you friends now up to Nashville? Is that all cool now? Or are you still upset with each other?" And I'm like, "Oh, thanks for bringing that up." <laughs> it went a bit awkward. So I think <laughs> Sebastian is still not super happy about it, but you know. It's a long time past now, and, and like I said, you know, that was the race winning strategy, right? So I'm just well, saying, we, we got to get him in the field somehow, man. That, that's the only way to do just, it twice. Just so you guys know, I did my part. I saw Marcus, I think Felix and I were at brunch like the next week or something, and I saw Marcus and his his entourage roll in, and I gave him plenty of shit about Nashville. Don't you worry. But no, still, <laughs> you know, he still still had to drive, drive his butt off there and pull off that win. So obviously, uh, it was a good. Spencer 99. Let's hit that unmute button. All right, let's go. Thanks for hosting the space again, Mark and Marshall and Chris. It's been a pleasure. Marcus, you and Felix have been in IndyCar for some time now. How much has the sport grown in Sweden, particular sponsorship, TV viewers, TV coverage? And if you could have one circuit from your Formula One days added to the IndyCar calendar, which one would you choose and why? Yeah, I think uh, looking at the interest from Sweden, uh, it's been growing 
every year. I think the fact that uh, um, both me and Felix are here in IndyCar is definitely helped uh, that we're two of us. Um, but also for me, you know, I, I grow quite a big fan base when I was in F1. It was the first suite in F1 in 24 years or something like that. And, and I was really, you know, not sure if they were going to follow me and, and, and when I went to IndyCar. But it feels like, it seems like everyone pretty much is following me here in IndyCar. And, and the interest for the IndyCar series has just been growing a lot the last couple of years. Because I think a lot of fans have started watching the racing and seeing how good the racing is and how exciting the racing is and, and sort of become IndyCar fans. And, you know, all the races go live on TV in Sweden. Uh, all the practice sessions, qualifying sessions are live with Swedish commentators. So it's actually a good product for for um, for the viewers even in, in, in Sweden, you know, the other side of the world. And And this year as well, you know, I've seen... On the starting times, most of the starting times, it's uh, it's pretty good, like Sunday evenings, uh, local time in Sweden. So that's just going to be even better to to grow that interest. Um, so it's been it's been growing a lot, and and that's uh, super super good, I think. Uh, going to your question there about race tracks uh, from F one. Uh, it's a difficult one. I I love Suzuka. It's one of my favorite tracks in the world. Uh, I think that would be really cool to take our IndyCar there and race in Suzuka. It could definitely be entertaining. That's um, a great call, Marcus. Nobody nobody mentions Suzuka nearly enough, right? No, uh, Spa's the natural, track. but yeah, that's a great idea. And I love, you know, the Japanese race fans talking about fans. You know, it's just such a special feeling racing in Suzuka. And you have so many dedicated fans coming there. Uh, I raced there in F3, and even in F3, you know, with so many fans coming to that race, and obviously with F1 as well. So they have such a strong racing culture in Japan. So that would definitely be on top of my list, I would say, uh, if I could pick one. I think it's an idea worth proposing, Marshall, don't you think? I'm going to start swimming there right now. The Pacific Ocean's <laughs> just over the hill. So, right. no, I'd love to go back. Any Any excuse to go back... Uh, for IndyCar racing in Japan, uh, I mean, even the last one, the farewell at Motegi in, what was that, I think 2011, uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. It was sad, but just, again, culturally, it's one of the things, Marcus, you know, you see this when we go uh, to all the races on the IndyCar calendar. There's some places we go where the fans let you know you are their universe. They love you, the car, the tires, the fuel, everything about it is their life. Then we go to some tracks where you go, yeah, did they They let people know we were here this weekend? And you don't necessarily feel that same vibe. Racing in Japan from the couple of times I've been there has just always been this amazing thing where there's no doubt that you are absolutely the most important thing in their world. So again, I'm not talking as a stupid journalist, but just the product. So I'm with you. Uh, and let's go. I can't wait for any reason, for any excuse rather, to go back to Japan. I absolutely love going racing there, and I miss it dearly. Uh, that's probably why Japan is my favorite stop at Epcot, like last week when I was at Disney. You're such an idiot, Wheeler. But happy birthday nonetheless. Um, ah. Why don't hey, I... So- 
go. So, I was gonna I was gonna throw a question to Savedra because he's been sitting there and he might be he might have fallen asleep. It's been a while. He's so, definitely he's definitely sleeping. So you do your question, then I've got a special one. All right. So provided you're still awake, Sebastian, um, tell us tell us about Tatiana Calderon. Tell, tell us about uh, this young woman who has a lot of experience, not necessarily at the top top level of uh of open wheel racing but pretty darn close now yet again a representative from colombia for folks who don't know tell them about her and what do you think uh about her chances this year having to learn you know kind of coming in the last minute it's super exciting to have again in a colombian representative in the series um but tatiana itself has done an amazing job like uh, putting herself the top level in the world, you know, being associated with amazing teams in Europe as well as in Formula One. Um, but she has uh, been very smart on writing uh, this uh, this amazing, awesome wave of uh, females in sport and uh, the, the power of females in the world right now. And uh, that's actually guiding a lot of uh, motivation in South America, which we continue to be a little more... Uh, or behind the history of supporting on the racial, on the, uh, of course, feminism, and uh, actually adding into religion. So, like, this is something that really comes in at a perfect time. Uh, she's been doing an amazing job, uh, like, uh, riding that wave, and uh, there she is. How do I see her? Of course, it's, uh, it's a very different point she's used to um, in Europe-wise, and, and she's going to take a little bit of a struggle in this first season, and she knows it, and she comes here with a very open mind. Um, the biggest aspect is the physical aspect. She did not realize how physical the indicators are really are, and that's uh, something that kind of caught her a little bit of a guard, and uh, it's something that uh, she will need to focus quite a lot if she wants to start fighting in a, in the top tens or top fifteens. But uh, again, it is uh, awesome to have a Colombian representative back. It sounds like you're mixing drinks at a bar, which sounds great. And Wheeler needs a lot of those since he's the birthday boy. I'm having an amazing sushi, dude. Feliz cumpleaños, parce. Happy birthday, brother. Pure love. I, I love it. I, I love times when I get to go with my boy Savage out anywhere, especially to the golf course. Especially when you drive 40 minutes across town to tee off at 730. And what does he do? He's got a vodka Red Bull waiting for you at the first tee. That's what life with Sebastian Zavadra is all about on the golf course. That's pure love, um, pure love, man. Send me the morning shots. Why not? <laughs> so here, here's my special call out, and uh, it's going to embarrass this guy. And uh, hopefully he'll speak. I'm, I'm sending him the request right now. Um, but if you look through the, the folks that are in this chat, find the handsome guy with the silver hair and the blue shirt, Greg Gerline. Good buddy of mine, Greg Gerline, is listening in for sure. Probably not going to accept to speak. But uh, I'm just excited that Greg's here because this year at the Indianapolis 500, since it's been a topic tonight, is the first time I get to actually spot with Greg. He'll be in turn three, same car as me, and I'm just super pumped up about it. And uh, the dude's a legend. He has tons of experience. And anytime that you get to spot at Indy and you have somebody with experience on the other end, um, it, it's pretty pretty fun. So I just want to take a little brief moment there, Marshall, and and share that thought. That's all kinds of awesome, brother. Why don't we ask our pal Ryan Terpstra to unmute himself and be the next contestant on 
I don't know. The answer is wrong. What are we calling this thing? Go for it, Terpstra. Thanks, MP. Appreciate you having me. Uh, shout out to Toronto Motorsports because they're just awesome. Uh, Roger Warwick with some awesome cartoons that I've I've seen the the tune for the show, and uh, I think that's just awesome and amazing. But what I wanted to talk about, MP, and I think you probably already know this, is all the big news about Iowa today. Four A-lister musicians concerts lit, uh, teed up. Um, none of which appeal to me, but that's just because I've got amazing taste in music. Um, I also heard that there are going to be 75 food trucks at the event. I don't know yeah. how I'm going to find time to visit all of them, but yeah. I need to. Oh, it's, it's the Iowa food coma 500. That is what it is. So uh, I need to get some, some Wheeler and some Erickson input here. So yes, was speaking with my friend Merrill Kane, who's one of the uh, OGs from Team Penske on the communications side. We actually spoke yesterday uh, about the release that was coming out and all that kind of stuff. And he mentioned the uh, the the musical lineup. And my father's from Arkansas. Was from Arkansas. He's passed, but father's from Arkansas. So I grew up with the son of the South. And he was constantly blaring Alabama and all, the Oak Ridge Boys and all kinds of stuff, all kinds of country growing up. But the bands that you that were you're going to be there, Tim McGraw and Blake Shelton and Florida Georgia Line, I couldn't tell you a single song. I don't listen to any of it. But I am curious. What about that? Because ticket prices have certainly gone up a little bit, and I'm sure that's to help pay for the musical acts, but. Would folks want to pay extra money to go see a double header and know that the extra costs are coming from paying bands that if you're not a country fan, could that push people away from going? Uh, I know if I had to buy tickets, I might question whether I would because I don't want to see any of the musicians. Is that a thing or is that all just in my head? Well, uh, Marshall, I think part of this comes from the promoter aspect of people just trying to do anything we can to fill seats, right? It's, it's no different than the the estimated 30,000 people that will be at the snake pit that have no idea there's a race going on around them. Um, but I, I think that's just they're, they're looking at their, their target market there. They're looking at, you know, probably who some of the bigger bands that come through the Des Moines market are and trying to find ways just to fill seats. Right. Um, obviously, the first year we went to Iowa, I was I think you were there. I know I was there. Packed house, five dollar hot dogs. Our two dollar hot dogs, five dollar t shirts, um, and it's great, right? Like it, it was an awesome time, and slowly the the crowds got thinner. Crowds got thinner. I think the racing actually got a little worse there for a little bit, and then it started to come back. But at that point, it's hard to bring somebody back and say, "No, no, 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 we fixed it, right? We we made the racing better." Um, so I think that's the play. However, um, coming up before we get to Knoxville, stay focused on my Twitter because. I'm going to do a Twitter contest, and I'm not going to lie, this is shameless, but Saturday night, as soon as the checkered flag drops, I'm headed about 30 miles away, and I'm going to Knoxville Raceway, the greatest dirt track in the world. And I'm actually going to do a Twitter contest, and I'm going to give away 20 general admission or grandstand seats for that Saturday night show at Knoxville to people who show me proof that they also have a ticket to the IndyCar race. Um, because I want to take as many of my IndyCar fans and friends that have never seen a wing sprint car to Knoxville because there's no better place in the world to see it. So that's my take on entertainment is I'm going to Knoxville. 
Marcus, tell me about the uh, the food truck side. So you and your, well, thanks to your trainer, and by the way, I, I hate you, but you know this, you have like 0.3% body fat. Your trainer is made out of like granite. I don't even understand. That guy's not from Earth. Uh, but there's supposed to be, as Ryan Terpster mentioned, like 75 food trucks. Do you allow yourself to engage in that during a weekend between races do you like stuff your belly saturday night like you know what do you do do you allow yourself to indulge because this is it's a big part of the show but you're like a super trim athlete i don't know i mean you know wheeler and i are going to be in a food coma would you join us that's what i'm asking Uh, i would join you but not on a race weekend i think you know eating stuffing yourself the day before a race or this day of a race, I think, would be not ideal driving a race car, uh, especially around a bumpy Iowa uh, oval. I, I just want to see you pull off to the left on the back straight, and they're going to throw the caution, and they're going to come run to the cockpit, and you're just going to be asleep, just, just yeah, snoring. Exactly. Oh, that would be, be a best. scene. That would be a scene. But no, I mean, joking aside, I think that's a really cool thing. You know, I think that's uh, a bit like Chris is saying there as well. You know, I think. What I think is cool with the whole Iowa doubleheader weekend is that they're really trying to add uh, to the show, you know, with different things. Uh, you can always discuss uh, about the concert and if, you know, if it's more expensive or, you know, it's it's uh, it's always going to be some people that disagree with it. But I think in the end of the day, if we can get more fans to come to the venue to maybe get some new fans to come and watch an IndyCar race, then, you know, that's a big, big yes for me. So I like the way to do trying to find new ways to find people to, to see our great sport, you know, and to see IndyCar racing and this food uh, court thing uh, or food trucks. I think that would definitely get me going on a, on a off weekend. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think it's, uh, they do a lot of cool things over there in Iowa and then, I love the sort of hype they're already building for that weekend, and I hope it will be a great turnout there. Because, like I said, I think the racing at Iowa these days is the best racing you'll see in IndyCar, uh, or some of the best racing at least. And now, I should also mention, just I was going to just mention real quick, quick, Chris, you and I are from California. So, like, the choice of primarily country acts at an Iowa IndyCar race, I would say that's pretty smart. If we're talking about Florida Georgia line appearing at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, yeah, that that might be a bit of a challenge. That might not be matching uh, what uh, we're looking for out here. But even though that lineup might not appeal to me uh, at Iowa, I have to believe that that's probably some pretty smart marketing. So, what I want to know, Wheeler, what bands would you have if you could pick four bands to be at? Long Beach, Laguna, Portland, something on the West Coast where you're from. What would your choices be? Man, I'll be honest. Um, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of split, right? I'm torn. I, anywhere I can see, anytime I can see Eric Churchman, um, hundred percent. I think I go back to being a kid, and I fell in love with a band called Third Eye Blind because I saw them on the old Pioneer stage in the Champ Car days when Pioneer promoted those concerts at every uh most of the venues that we went to um so i would say like a bad fish which i, I was so bummed at st pete because they played and i didn't get to see them 
Um, the Eric Church would be kind of a good one for me, but also, um, I don't know, man. I mean, if I'm going to go back to back home to Long Beach and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm jealous of the Super Bowl halftime show. I want a little Snoop and a little Dre. Like, I want to be all up in my feels um, when I'm there personally. But, um, you know, you, you said something, though, about, you know, music and and, and we're talking about these, these different artists and a little quick bit that a lot of people don't know is that James Sully Sullivan went to the Houston champ car race that was won by Jimmy Vassar. And he was only there because the promoters had a third eye blind concert on Saturday night. And on the door, he saw something that said with, with the ticket to the concert, you can get a free general admission pass to the Indy car race the next day. He had never seen an Indy car. So he went to the IndyCar race the next day. This guy named Jimmy Vassar wins it. And he thinks, this guy's a badass. I need, to, I need to know this guy. And so he found a way to connect with him. And then he took his, his business brain and his newfound friendship with Jimmy Vassar and he put it to work. And we know what that's led to. And so that just goes to show you, you never know what's going to come from some of these cross-promotional deals. I love it. I love it, brother. Why don't we do this? Let's welcome in a couple more uh, of our friends and listeners. Uh, Marcus is probably, it's getting a little late his time, so I don't want to keep him up too late. But uh, let's see, Ryan Caminiti, why don't you unmute yourself, say hello, take the floor, and then we will welcome in our pal after you, dear pal, Diego, the man, Diego Rodriguez. Good evening, guys. Uh, so, uh Onto the whole Iowa situation. So, Marshall, I uh, there's a good possibility I saw you pulled over going into Watkins Glen one of the, the last times they were here. Uh, we live about a half hour away from, from the track. And uh, just on a whim, you know, caught the news of, uh, you know, all the music stuff that was going on at Iowa. And, you know, as you know, we don't have any real IndyCar action in the Northeast and, um, you know, I typically go to the, to the six hours at Watkins Glen every year and decided to put that on hold this year. And we're going to go to Iowa, my girlfriend and I, she will be her first IndyCar race. And, um, we're looking forward to it. We just, we scramble, book plane tickets, rental cars, hotels, the whole nine in like a matter of 90 minutes tonight. That's awesome, Ryan. So I don't know if I'm going to be there, but I know Wheeler will. So one <laughs> or the other, uh, we're going to get you and Wheeler connected and maybe some more of you if you're going to be there. And when he's not being sexy or spotting, <laughs> we'll get Wheeler to do some sort of let me show you around the inside type stuff. Because honestly, that's about the most fun stuff that I get to do. And Marcus, you know, I know whenever you get a chance to uh, show folks around or when guests come in to see inside the transporter or the cars or whatever, like that's the stuff that I think is, is that's the coolest because we watch a lot of motor races in our lives. Yep. It's the stuff where we get to actually go inside, see some stuff that, that's unique. Those are the super lasting memories. So let's get you connected with Wheeler for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and Wheeler, it definitely, we uh, we go down the, to, you know, Disney quite a bit. And definitely we're following around you and or following uh, yours and Powers posts on social. That was awesome. Really appreciate it. It was, uh, it was funny. Thanks, man. That was uh, a lot of work. As far as walking 18, 18 miles a day, fresh off an IndyCar street race weekend. But hey, you know, it was all for the happiness. The most mag second most magical place on earth is Disney World. Obviously, 
the magic most magical place on earth is Disneyland. Gotcha. Yeah, we'll be get, we'll be out there at some point in the next couple of years. But anyway, guys, I don't want to hog too much time. Really appreciate it. Marshall, you're awesome. You guys are all awesome. Marcus Erickson, great run last weekend. I'm going to mute now. Thanks, brother. Diego, uh, for those of you who don't know, Diego is just a man with a brain that works better than mine and most people's. And he's really smart. And we've been trying to get him to consult with IndyCar and give them a lot of great ideas, high-tech ideas, uh, all kinds of ideas. So I just love, A, having you on the show, Diego. But since you're here, since you got Marcus Erickson and Sebastian Saavedra, floor is yours. Unmute yourself, brother, and uh, ask away and share away. Hey, hey, thanks, Marshall. That's, that's a nice intro, except for the smart part. I'm, I'm not really uh, smart. Um, that's uh, dangerous territory. Uh, I like to think of myself more as that New Yorker cartoon, the, the one that, you know, the, the dog at the uh, computer. Nobody on the Internet knows your dog. Um, hey, uh, well, yeah, I don't know if Mar- uh, Marcus is uh, still, if it's, is it kosher to ask Marcus a question? Of course, that's why he's here. Yeah, right. Okay, I just I was I was concerned about the the time zone. Um, He's uh, in Indianapolis, so we're okay. Oh, okay, not not Sweden. I have a good friend in Sweden, and he and I never talk past eleven a.m. California time. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering. I'm a you know I'm such a student of kind of different cultures and organizations, and I am a big believer that culture is a big part of what makes a, a team successful especially over the long run and i'm just wondering if you could talk a bit about what you've learned um being at ganassi in terms of the small maybe the small things they do that set them apart from other teams you've been on in terms of getting everybody pulling in the same direction yeah i think you know one of the things when i came to to ganassi uh one of the first things that I noticed was just the sort of the drive within the team and the mindset within the team that sort of runs through all the way from the top with Chip and all the way through the whole team. Uh, the mindset of always trying winning every race, which sounds like, you know, of course, every team want to win every race. But for, for Ganassi, that really runs through everything they do. Uh, it's all about performance. It's all about being successful. And, and, and winning races and championships. And I've sort of seen that now, been there a couple of years, and, you know, even winning a race, it's always the next race. How can we win the next race? Winning a championship, how can we win the next championship? That sort of drive and mindset and, and way of working is something that I think takes time to sort of build up within a team. And, and I've never been in a team that sort of have that clear mindset that really runs through the whole team um, which I find has been very impressive. Uh, but also it comes down to all the details, you know, it's, it's in the shop, it's in um, the way the preparation is, and, you know, all those small things, especially in a one-spec series like IndyCar, is in all those small details that makes a, makes a difference. So uh, I've been very impressed uh, the years I've been here to see how Ganassi works, and for me, you know, it's it's no surprise to see how many championships and races they have over the years. What are what are some of the things you do? Um, and I guess this can go to Sebastian as well. What are the, what are some of the things you do as a driver when you go to the race shop um, that you feel really help move the team culture forward? And 
some some what are some of the things that you've seen other drivers do that aren't so good in terms of helping the team culture i think one of the things that i i like and, and i always liked to do throughout my career is to just try and build a relationship with the people i work with and that's not only a race engineer that you talk to every every day you know or not every day but you know that you talk to all the time i try and you know, go and see everyone, go and ask people how they are, how their families are, and, you know, uh, that sort of personal relationship to build that, uh, to get people to really give that extra uh, effort for you. Uh, I think that that does a lot, and that's something I've been trying to, or I always try and do when I come to new teams or, or with the teams I'm with, you know, I try to to really build that relationship and that's also why i like to live close to the to the shop to be able to come in even if i don't have a, a meeting that day i can still swing by the shop and you know have a chat with the guys in my car or some, some of the shop based guys or uh, whatever just to, to hang around and i think that means a lot to the people working there day and night to, to give us race cars to to win races with so that's sort of my my mindset on on, on that things Marcus, let me um, thank you, Diego. I'm going to have you on here you a lot. Thanks. You have great questions, my brother. Marcus, let me let me ask one thing to follow up on that, and then Chris is going to take over and uh, welcome Bernard to ask the final question before we let uh, Wheeler go celebrate his birthday. So I don't want to stir up too much here, Marcus, but I know that your first introduction to IndyCar uh didn't go as well as you wanted, moved to the Ganassi team where things have just only gone upwards and been great for you. I know at least in that first year, uh, I don't know if everyone there was a believer in you. Uh, I know everyone where you're at right now is an avowed Marcus Erickson fan, and they know you can get the job done. But do you? is that something you feel? And it doesn't have to be limited to IndyCar. Maybe it's happened elsewhere in your career. But can you feel when it doesn't feel like your team is fully behind you or believing in you? And do you have to fight against that feeling from dragging down your motivation or your spirit? Cause you're in a great place now. I don't know if everyone looking at you from your first IndyCar team expected you to be doing this well. Yeah, I think, yeah, for sure, that's uh, uh, that's true to some extent. I still felt like you know I had good support in, in in my first team here, but like you said, you know, coming from from Europe, coming from F one, you know, it's uh, I think people have sort of a, a way of seeing us, <laughs> and you need to sort of uh, prove yourself here in America uh, that you can deliver on this level. And I think for me, it took a bit longer to do that. My first year was definitely not great, and, and you know I had to learn a lot. And, and, and yeah, it wasn't my best my best performance, but I felt felt you know really happy within the team, and, and I felt like I had good good support. Uh, but definitely, you know, things have stepped up since I came to Gassi, um and uh, and sort of got the team behind me in, in a different way. So. Um, yeah, uh, it, you know, it means a lot as a driver to have that confidence, definitely, from, from the people you work with. And I think one of the big things coming to Ganassi and to get Brad Goldberg as my engineer was that 
you know, we, we started to work together and very soon he really, you know, you, I can really feel how much he believed in me and my ability and, and just the way I am as a person, my work ethic and everything. I could really feel like we were clicking and thinking racing the same way. And that has really driven me and, and taken me to another level in my racing. And that, that's, you know, something that uh, I always come back to that sort of relationship. And that was something that uh, straight away with Brad has been so strong and that we continue to sort of get better and better together. Awesome. Well, thank you for that, Marcus. We're going to go now to a young man here, Bernard. Final question of the show. Bernard, unmute yourself. The floor is yours. Hi, uh, thank you for having me, guys. Uh, first, I'd just like to say thank you to Marshall for answering a question I asked about buying Indy 500 tickets in the uh, racer mailbag. Uh, oh, you're welcome. Uh, I hope it wasn't a stupid answer, but you're welcome. No, no, it was a great answer. Um, it was really helpful. But I, uh, well, first of all, I live, Iowa is the second closest IndyCar racetrack to me. And I, I think that their uh, music guests will definitely help them draw fans in just from the people in the Iowa area. But I have, I have a question about Simona de Silvestro, actually. A couple of weeks ago, I remember, I think I read something saying she was doing some bobsledding. Am I correct in that? You are correct, and it sounds like you're being attacked by aliens uh, or zapped, so you might mute yourself there, Bernard, real quick. Uh, yes, she has started bobsledding, and so I was texting with Simona last week uh, and mentioned on one of the recent uh, – hashtag racing family shows that uh, she said she will happily come on and join us she just needs to get through training there so i don't know exactly when she's going to be done but uh we will have the badass miss d silvestro on here to talk about that and hopefully uh as we learn a little bit more about indy 500 um and I get a chance to reach out and connect to uh, our friend beth peretta find out how things are going there hopefully we can talk to simona both about bobsledding and IndyCar racing, and hopefully uh, a return to the Indy 500. Awesome. Well, Marshall, I think uh, I think it's it's we've hit that time. It's your birthday, man. Go go eat French fries or whatever you do for a Wheeler birthday. I'm sure your wife is cursing me out as usual for holding on to you. Longer you you, you want to know what I had for my birthday dinner? And this is 100 percent my decision because, as you know, I'm. Last week, Sunday through Thursday, kind of screwed up this diet that I've been on for, for over a month, and i really got to focus on being back on it. So I had scrambled eggs and bacon, and it was it was great. That's an acceptable birthday breakfast. So There, there was zero it. bread and, that's, and, and water, so that was the key. But, um, but I guess I'll close it off, Marshall, as long as you give me the blessing. All yours, brother. It's your show, too. Awesome. Well, folks, as always, we want to thank you for spending your time with us here this evening on the Hashtag Racing Family Show. I'm Chris Wheeler, my esteemed co-host, Marshall Pruitt. It has been an absolute pleasure for both of us to our guest, Mr. Doug Bowles, Marcus Erickson, and one of my most favorite human beings, Mr. Sebastian Saavedra. Thank you for joining us. All of our guests that asked questions and chimed in and shared our post, it means more than you know to us. And as we close it out, and as I sit here at 36 years old now, I look back and I think to myself, I never thought I'd see 30. And as I woke up this morning and everything hurt, I thought a few things. One, take the advice of the people that are older than you. They're actually right. 
Two, I really wish I would have listened to this and you shouldn't do these things. Your body's going to pay for it later and it's going to tell you because it's true. And three, just enjoy it. Have fun. And as always, look around you to the people close and the people far. Tell them you love them. Tell them you care. And until we see you next, because we don't even know when that will be, enjoy yourselves and stay out of trouble. Thanks, everybody.